Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Creative Alchemist, a podcast for creatives by a full-time creative. I am your host, Sulinette. You may call me Sulinette. If you are already a monthly supporter, thank you so much. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter and help me keep doing what I do, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash The Creative Alchemist. Thanks again. Hi, friends. Quick thing before we get into the episode, there is this exciting event called Decolonize and Discover happening from June 17th to 19th. The Decolonize and Discover Festival was created with the desire to amplify the voices of BIPOC, the LGBTQIA community, and people with disabilities within the world of creative storytelling. At Decolonize and Discover, you're invited to try LARPing, cosplaying, podcasting, and more to delve into the creative arts and tell a story that is uniquely yours. Yours truly will be a panelist that weekend. Again, this is happening from June 17th to 19th. It's happening at Ye Old Commons in Charlton, Massachusetts. Tickets are on sale now. Grab yours at sanctumworld.com. Again, that's sanctumworld.com. Let's go while we still have luck. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Creative Alchemist. I am your hostess with the mostess, and today I am joined... For the third time, <laughs> Mr. Godfrey Simmons from Heartbeat Ensemble. Hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm not going to ask how you are because that's where the question, where everything just goes to hell right. with technology. That's right. That's Don't right. ask me how I am. Let's just um, go. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so for the folks at home that don't know, uh, please let them know a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. Uh, so, yeah, I help run Heartbeat Ensemble. Uh, my official title is artistic director, and um, I've been making theater for over 30 years. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I write, I act, I, I direct. Um, I help facilitate rooms, um, you know, around a variety of things. Um, Heartbeat Ensemble has been around for 20 years. And, um, you know, we've always been doing, uh, making theater that really kind of pushes the, uh, kind of tries to get rid of the boundaries that separate us through, you know, race, gender, um, uh, you know, geography, class. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's 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 what I'm on about right now. So, among other things, I like to do some radio. Actually, I love doing radio. Um, I'm just uh, learning that for the first time right now. I know. I, yeah, I gotta you know I gotta keep you on your toes or not. Um, tell uh, me, tell me everything. <laughs> but, but then you're gonna know everything. You won't be, you know. I still months, think you're cool. Like, it's fine. <laughs> When did you start doing radio? Oh, I did it in um, so in Ithaca had a had a show called the Grio Hour, and um, it was a very you know very eclectic uh, show that was um, you know music that tells stories. Um, so I was really about the story and about kind of like thinking about how you know different forms of musics connect to each other. So. Yeah. So, so my first show was like about political, um, political songs. It was the day that uh, Pete Seeger died. 
and so um, and so I did a I did a you know uh, a show about that um, you know a song about like a show you know where the songs are all about trains um, I'll do some you know a show where I'm playing tunes that are all kind of from the the tree of Nina Simone or the tree of James Brown you know what I mean like stuff that's like um, you know influenced by them or something like that you know so different things um yeah i mean yeah i enjoy doing it you know i i enjoyed it i haven't hooked i haven't tried to hook up with the um with the public radio station here in hartford but um but i'm hoping to i mean that would be dope <laughs> so everything that you do i mean again i'm still like oh didn't know and now i know um do you remember when you like first fell in love with telling stories Ooh, nice question i love thank you i try ask the well the way you the framed it about telling stories because that's the that is the the thread right um it's really interesting i haven't thought about it like in that framing um because it, I, I could come up with so many different answers, right? Because if it was about just theater, I'd say, oh, when I was in high school, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's if you if you drill it down to telling stories, well, yeah, I like I liked to write things before that. But then you drill it down even more, I would say when I was a kid, when I was I think as early as maybe fourth, third or fourth grade. Um, I'm a huge sports fan still, but I was a big sports fan back then. And at the time, I watched football, baseball, basketball, a little less basketball, um, tennis. Yeah, I was the I was like the one black kid who was watching tennis and golf. Um, uh, as, yes. I was like six or seven. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not just like a, you know, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, like recent person. No, no, no. Way before that, you know, and that mess was like whitey white shoes. There was something about the story hmm. of sports and, and the events and the competition that really resonated with me. Um hmm. I just got into the story of it. And I remember uh, when I was in elementary school going to the library and um, there was a, 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 a sports uh, publication called The Sporting News. And they would, they would have stories, but they would also have the box scores for the games that had happened the week before. And I would just pour over those box scores. Didn't matter if it was football or baseball or basketball. I just devoured them. And then I read this, the articles too. And I just, I just got into those stories. I would always, you know, imitate the um, the sportscasters as they were, you know, commentating on things. Um, uh, you know. Uh, you know, I was listening, you know, to Howard Cosell and Brian Gumbel. Boxing. I also was into boxing. 
um, you know, uh, like back when, when, you know, we did that thing, <laughs> we, you know, I can't really watch it now, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's just, but at the time, Muhammad Ali was the most important person to me. He was so huge because that was early seventies. Like that's when I was, I mean, he was major. If you were black in the early seventies, Ali was your, was your guy, right? Mm. Um, he was so important. And of course, everybody white was so against him. It was just, he just drove them crazy. Um, it, surprise, it, it, surprise. Right? But I knew the story, right? Mm. I knew that he had like, you know, did not, would not go to Vietnam. I knew all of that stuff. Like, it, it, like it, at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, I knew what he stood for and I knew how important it was. And I glorified in supporting him and saying, he's going to beat Ken Norton. He's going to beat Joe Frazier. And, you know, everybody else was like, I hope he loses. And, you know, and I did, I, at a time I didn't think of it in racialized terms, but it was completely that. It was so much that, um, so the stories really were important to me in terms of, so there was that sports angle. And then, you know, coming up, I watched TV and I loved, you know, the, you know, I, I watched sitcoms. I watched, you know, the one hour cop dramas when like, you know, anybody black or brown was the criminal and mm. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. that stupid stuff. But what was interesting is that the sitcoms actually in the seventies were, probably like the best they did all they actually did you know um there was so so much of those that were dealing with race they were dealing with abortion they were dealing with like uh gender Mm. dealing with all these things and really like major fundamental ways single motherhood um like they they were just you know i can still remember when maude you know, decided to get an abortion. That was like huge, mm-hmm. right? Right? Um, you know, it was a huge deal seeing you know tall ass B. Arthur, like you know, <laughs> being like <laughs> you know way before Golden Girls, she was kicking it right in this show mod. Um, uh, you know, or seeing, you know, seeing. Um, this super successful black family in New York, you know, with the, you know, a small business, right? The dry cleaners, right? Like, um, or, 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 or see good times seeing like, you know, Janet Jackson playing Penny with the, mm. you know, with the little, with the, you know, the, the iron imprint on her back or she yeah. can't was on her shoulder or whatever never forget that right i know janet jackson as an actor i mean mm. the singing that was cake she was this great performer actor she did this great impersonation of may west in the jackson show um mm. wow, i'm talking a lot right now but uh, well you know, that is <laughs> that is the point of this podcast <laughs> i just haven't thought about that i do but what you asked me was so i feel like uh, I just hadn't thought about all the ways in which that question would kind of set me off. But 
anyway, that's that, I'm flattered. That's where, yeah, that's where that's where that's where the stories thinking about stories, and it's just kind of been, I think, distilled now into mostly theater. Mm. Um, but yeah, telling stories is where it's at. Do you think all of those things that you mentioned, Muhammad Ali and hearing these stories about <clears throat> people talking about like social issues, do you think that like influenced you in terms of how you approach theater? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why you do it if you're not going to deal with stuff. Now, mm. do I think you always have to, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, bang you over the head like an Oliver Stone film, right? Like, it does, right? I mean, Shade. I love it. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Right? I mean, yeah. You can, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a, you know, all the songs directed some decent movies, good movies, but it's just like sometimes it's just bangs you over the head with it. Okay, I get it. Right. I think sometimes you know it can be funny. It can be, you know, but I I think art is political, and if you're trying not to be political, that's political. Ooh. So you, the act of making art is a political act. You can't kind of get around it. So. If you if you don't go into it, kind of understanding that um, it, it can be damaging, and I'm sure I've actually done damage because I there are things that I haven't gotten right. Mm. Right, I'm sure, and I'm sure I'll do, do it again. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? Like I, I'm sure there'll be things that I won't, I won't get. Yeah. Um, or that I won't understand because I'm, you know, because of just who I am and what my experience has been, but I'll always be engaged in those conversations and I'll always be uh, uh, listening and I'll always be able to be changed because I'm thinking about how my, my work or the work that I'm helping to support is, is, you know, is or will affect people. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'll get stuff wrong. I like, I know. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, then that, that brings up the question for me of it, like in theater, in art, is there, is there space, is there room for redemption? I, I, I think so. Yeah. I think one of the things, I mean, I'd be interested in, um, about how you feel about this because I do think one of the, challenges in our present moment is that you know when we i think it's a it's very i think indigenous and i can speak very you know with africanness and i think it's and, and by indigenous i mean indigenous not just in the united states but like or not the americas but like all over right the indigenous people of africa asiatic you know peoples all that that there's a that this idea of restoration, this idea of um, of like self care, this this idea of the community coming around people to help us be better and to mm. be 
both accountable, but accountable with like love, that sense of, you know, hey, this needs to, this, this needs repair. Yeah. Right. You, but you aren't, you aren't, you're not gonna, we're not gonna like, like excommunicate you from our community because you were, you're here. And, you know, that feels like that. What I feel can happen is that sometimes those values get challenged mm. when people mess up, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I know people call it cancel culture and I don't, I, 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 the, the kind of, the language I can't, I just don't know what the language means, right? Like I just kind of, it's, it's pithy and it's cute, cancel culture, but I don't, I don't <laughs> think that I'm talking about that. Like I just don't want to use that. Uh, or drill it down to that because it simplifies it. But when when somebody messes up, especially if it's like something egregious, like you know, like that woman who did the thing in the park, or whatever, with the dog and and the brother. And I remember mm. he was just like, mm-hmm. "Can we not do the thing where she's just like excommunicated because like she actually needs help." <laughs> Like, like somebody needs to like intervene, right? Right. And I just wonder what would happen if there were a sense of like really like okay, how do we how do we repair? Mm. Right. Something mm-hmm. has to stop the thing, but how do you repair and 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 say like, hey, you know what? So. Like, we don't need to fire you, but we do have to say, if you want to keep this job, you're going to have to do this work. You're going to have to do this deep work to, like, move forward and repair this, right? Like, right. you're going to have to do that. Um, and then, of course, obviously, it's up to the person, right? But, like, there's just got to be some way to figure out how we... repair and i'd like to think that the theater is a place for that right art Mm. is a place for that Hmm. i mean i go ahead have feelings yeah (laughs) i'm curious well i'm noodling on it uh it's just it's uh hmm. yes there is room for repair Mm. and also because extreme thinking right i'm thinking of like situations of like abuse uh it's like how i i guess in my mind i think about how does and i'm not saying that it can't but i Mm -hmm. i think about how does repair and something like that happen or like you said that it's up to the person what if the person refuses to participate in like an accountable relationship um, or doesn't want to be part of your healing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But, and also I have, at least for me in the last couple of years, I have heard more and more folks around me talking about um, healing in this way, Mm. healing in the way of like, holding people accountable versus like trying to cancel them. And I will say when 
uh, quote unquote cancel culture was like peaking, at least in my experience, like a few years ago, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because, because I think also like people talk about healing and it's sometimes like a lot of times when they talk about healing, it's like very fluffy and yeah. loving even yeah. like in a hard situation, but also anger is very much involved in that. Mm-hmm. And if you're not letting people let that anger out, and I'm not saying that it's beautiful, that it's pretty all the time. Cause it's not. Um, it's like, what do folks, what do folks do with that? If we're like skipping that part and just saying like, no, let's just make this better. Yeah. Um, somehow those are, those are the thoughts that come yeah. that like come to mind at first. And with all that being said, I love, I love the idea and the potential for healing and for community that is in actually holding accountable relationships with people. Um, How dope would it be to like see most white people gathering other white people around like racism and it not falling on like people of color to do the work. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts and feelings that are not well sorted out, but so what? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I agree and with I think you, it- right? Uh, yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, yeah, abuse, in a, an abuse feels, to, to, be, to be, and to be clear, I think abuse is, is a, it feels a little different, right? You've got to, there's a certain amount of, you've got to remove somebody from that situation, right? Like, there's things where you have, you need to remove that person, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, because you can't keep, you can't keep that kind of a thing going on, right? Right. You gotta, you know, while being accountable too, I think, you know, you can't just like keep that person around and like, that's like figuring stuff out while still like abusing people. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think clearly, you know, I, I think, and I also think that sometimes there are things that when when the person's doing things in which which make doing their jo- job un- untenable, right? Mm. Um, that 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 something's got to shift, right? You can't just kind of stand pat and be just like you know, oh, let's heal when it's anathema to their job, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> mm, right. You know, so there are obvious there. I feel like that there are clear, you know, examples when when people need to be removed from that situation. Heard. Oh, it's so nuanced, this conversation. We'll have a whole other podcast episode about this. (laughs) If you'd like, that's totally fine. (laughs) Redemption through theater. That's what we'll call it. What does it mean to you to be an artistic director? Oh, snap. Did you faint? I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just checking. Deeply because there's two answers. The, the, the first thing that came to mind the, the word that popped into my head, the first word was, I'm just being super transparent right now, is responsibility. And the second word 
that pop into my wine, my mind is weight. Uh, w e i g h t weight. It feels like it can feel heavy. Um, it feels because there's a big responsibility. Um, to who? To the artist you're working with, uh, to the broader community that surrounds you, that you're ostensibly serving, um, or creating space for, occupying space with, Uh, I, I feel it most times. Um, it's not every single day. Sometimes it feels light. It feels like, hey, we're making great stuff and we're doing the work. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, blessed? Like, like, like really like lucky and fortunate uh, because I, you know, I get to work with amazing people like you. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do. I mean, I get to, um, you know, I also get to learn from so many people. I think one of the things that's, 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 been great for me so far with Heartbeat is that I've been able to, you know, work some with people that I've worked with in many years and then more importantly work with uh, people who are younger than me, who are incredible, who just show me different ways, right, that, the, you know, the evolution, right, like the, the thinking is so kind of um, is so forward, you know, compared to when I was in my 20s and 30s, right? I mean, it's, it's just, I, you know, what a blessing, what, a, what fortune to be, you know, living in this moment with, um, with this, a generation that is uh, operating at such a high level of um, of nuance, creativity, uh, political engagement, uh, and entitlement. And I don't mean entitlement in the way of you know, in, in that complaining way, right? They're entitled. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, taking space, mm. right? Like, like planting their feet and taking space. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know if any of that made sense, but. Um... It made total sense. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned that 
you had mentioned that you are still learning or that you learn from the folks that you work with. What are you still learning? I'm learning. Um, I'm learning how to listen more. I'm learning how to talk less. Um, I'm learning. <laughs> one of the things is, is that I'm learning that um, <clears throat> that one of my uh, one of my superpowers is saying yes, which is odd. I mean, anybody can say yes, but <laughs> so like, why would that be a superpower? Um, and I only say that because we don't. Hmm. In art, in 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 anything, we just we don't say yes. There's a lot of reasons why we don't say yes. Money is the big one. Uh, but yeah, how do you keep? You know, how do you say yes? How do you say yes and make that? of value and make it sustainable. It's becoming a kind of a project for me in some ways. Um, and, uh, and I've, you know, tried to, you know, guide that as much as possible at heartbeat. And sometimes you gotta say no. Mm. It's, it's it's not it's true um, but I think there's a way to do that while while standing while standing on the razor's edge of possibility right hmm razor's edge of possibility okay writer <laughs> <laughs> that's right Saying yes in art and making it sustainable. Mm. Yeah. 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 Especially when you're running an organization or, or you're helping to run an organization or you're, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's the big, it's the big, yeah, it's the, it's, to me, it's a big, big question. What are some of the biggest uh, challenges that you face? Uh, you mean in my job or just generally in life as a creative person? Ooh, um, pick your favorite and go with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll take the latter because the former, the challenges I feel like in, you know, as an artistic director, they feel, is it, is it banal? Is that how you pronounce that? word I, you know let's go with yes yeah i'm gonna yes it see thank you there we go yeah well done i saw what you did there um <laughs> thank uh, you I tried. <laughs> um so so in my creative life i think the challenge is um i think the challenge is How do you get comfortable with 
the idea that only a certain number of people will be affected by your work in the in 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 the in the present you know how do you get comfortable with that how do you get comfortable with that with the knowledge that the work ripples out over a long period of time and it might start with just 15 or 20 people but that's going to affect how they interact with 15 and 20 other people and then that's mm. going to affect right how do you get comfortable with with uh the acceptance of you know not you know being in control of what really about what the legacy of your work is in terms of its impact Mm. Not that you think it's going to be negative, but like control in terms of just like what I'm talking about, just, you know, the numbers or, you know, what the conversations are around it. You make, you know, you make a piece of art and people will run with it, right? Right. You're going to do what they do. Um, I think for visual artists, and you would know this better than I, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's, there's a kind of, because there's often a solitude to it unless they're, you know, kind of collaborative and participatory uh, visual artist um, on the regular, there's a kind of like monastic quality about it, right? And then you, and there's a, there feels like there's a kind of comfort with just like, all right, put it out here, you know, and uh, you know, whatever you see here, hey, listen, it's on this, it's on this, uh, uh, you know, it's on this um, canvas or it's on the screen or it's on this notebook paper, whatever it is, like it, it is what it is. <laughs> um, right. Right. And, and I think that can sometimes be more challenging. Mm. And this is only your surmising on my part. It could be more challenging if you're someone who's making theater or television or you're, you know, or even writing a short story or, you know, um, I mean, you would know you, but you do both poetry and visual art. Are they different in that? Does it feel different? In terms of how people receive it or yeah, like how they take it and run with it? Yeah, like, does it feel different in terms of your concern over whether or not, or your thoughts about how people receive it? Is there a difference? You, um, you, feel, you feel more emboldened or like kind of, you know. I think, I think with poetry, not even I think, I think, uh, I was about to say I think anyway. With poetry, because I'm, Poetry allows me the space to explain myself while I'm sharing it. So if somebody misses the mark in terms of what I meant, they probably just weren't listening. <laughs> and that's not on me. Um, I think there's more control within poetry for me and how and in performing it. Um with visual art, I think there's less control. Mm -hmm. And so it feels even more vulnerable because I don't have the words. I don't have a written explanation of each piece. 
And so it is very much up to whoever's looking at it to interpret it as they see fit. Um, and that is worrisome. Uh, and, and my artwork has been misinterpreted in the past. And um, I mean, it sucks. And I can only do so much to control for that. Like, I don't, I don't want to get into like an over, I don't want to over explain my art either. So it's like, where's my, it's, it's, it's interesting to try to find the balance between like where I create, explain, maybe, and then like, let the rest of it go. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying that it's that it, does it does that feel more challenging than with than it does with poetry? With performing yeah. your poetry, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more annoying. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm but, like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't talking about that. I was thinking about this. But it's like, also, how is the person supposed to know if I'm not telling them? Mm. Um. But it is always fun when somebody does interpret it and then like says it to me, like that's what it is. And I'm like, no, actually it's about like yeah. snickerdoodles. That's what yeah. that painting was about. <laughs> so it's yeah. always fun also to just play with it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I think I also have this thing where I will sometimes look at that stuff from the point of view of only one of the disciplines. Like I'll look at it from the point of view of an actor who in many ways is not is only the author of the performance, which often has been written by somebody else and directed by a third person. And then you're re reacting off of other people, unless it's a solo piece. And so you're you're you know you're and then there's all that stuff kind of going on and you're still like, is what I'm doing affecting people? What is this mm. how's this landing? What does this actually mean? But I think, but like hearing you talk about it, I, I think, you know, in different ways, I feel more in control. I feel more in control, a little more in control, like if I'm directing something or if um, I feel a little more control when I'm doing radio, because I also as well get to like, you know, explain, as you say, as I go, right? Right. Uh, but it isn't all daunting either. There are folks that um, give me a different viewpoint on my own artwork. I'm speaking specifically to visual, mm -hmm. where they will tell me something and that I didn't even see in the very thing that I created. And those moments are really cool for me, too. Um, yeah, so I don't want to stand in the way of that either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the great stuff. I think that's amazing. I'm like, you got that out of that? Wow. Uh, you know, I love it. I love yeah. That. Tell me a moment of glory in your work. Huh. <laughs> yes, glory. <laughs> um you know it's interesting because I feel like there is the moment of like euphoria or just 
oh, oh, you know, I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. I think it was the first time I performed in, uh, I mean, it seems very, a little cliche, but I played Walter the Younger in Raisin in the Sun. And I just remember thinking, oh, I could retire now. Not as in I could afford to, but like, but I, this is, I'm playing this role with these people on this stage, um, you know, here, not even on, you know, in New York, like in Syracuse. And I am just like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now at this moment. This is glory, right? This is euphoria. This is exactly it. And that was much more on an emotional level because it's a, I feel like it's a great play. It's like the role, right? It's, you know, uh, and the character of Walter the Younger gets redeemed at the end. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a great experience. And so if, if you're a black man in the theater specifically, it's just, it feels like the top, right? Um, but I also think, um, and, and when I think about glory, I think about actually, I think being more of a creator. Um, the two things that I've kind of co-written or adapted, two of the things that I've worked on as a writer and performer, I felt they those felt like real true expressions of who who I am and my point of view. I did an adaptation of Mike Daisy's Trump card, and which is basically about the rise of Donald Trump, um, where he kind of excoriates both liberal both liberals and conservatives. Um, but at the time, no one was really kind of looking at progressives, and I kind of. I did an adaptation from the standpoint of a black man, and I really give the progressives what for uh, in it, and um, and in adapting it, and so that felt really glorious to do. Yeah, um, I also co-wrote a, a, a play, Dispatches from Amended America, which is about the election of President Obama. Um, me and a young white man went down south in 2008 after the election, but before inauguration, to interview a hundred Southerners about the election and what it meant to them. And we made a play out of it. Hmm. So multiple moments of glory. Yeah. I love that for you. <laughs> Still speaking with the energy of glory. What's the dream for you? Um, I think the dream for me is to keep working as an artist and um, I mean, frankly, uh, you know, just to be blunt, make more money doing that, <laughs> you know, 
uh, Io cosine, right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, let's be real. I mean, I could come up with all of the kind of highfalutin, like I want to impact people and I want to move mountains and you know, <laughs> leave those mountains. It's great. It's, it's good. <laughs> but it's, it's a great thing. Um, but and and I want to I you know I mean one of my dreams is to is to really expand heartbeat ensembles so that it can do the work uh, that it should be doing, which some of it it already is, but so that it can do the work that it should be doing with some ease, without as much of a struggle mostly financial right so that's mm. that's came to mind you know um yeah and i think to just keep making work that is going to challenge people piss people off and get people to um look at themselves Pissing people off sounds like a really good goal. Right? I like it. Yeah. What's next for you? Next? Oh, man. Mm -hmm. So um, what's next for me is, uh, you know, we've got this season coming up at Heartbeat Ensemble. So, it's, you know, uh, producing that. Um, I'm co-directing this piece about Gwen Reed, a Hartford um, uh, actress um, who died in 1974. And, uh, and so that's really exciting. She's, um, you know, had this long history with, with, with Hartford. Uh, and I'm starting to noodle on uh, like an, another a solo piece that is looks at the, actually the history of progressivism in the United States and where it went wrong. <laughs> so, so like light work is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> no biggie, yeah, just <laughs> yeah. where we all went wrong. Well, you know. I mean, I, it's interesting. It's, it's, yeah. So I think so much of it is tied up. So much of it mm. is, is tied up in race and, 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 and gender, I think. And, and it's, it, as I'm looking at it more it, it, in really weird ways, and some are not so weird, right? Like you can say, like, white progressives have some issues that they are, aren't actually examining. That's kind of, that's low-hanging fruit. But what's the other stuff as well, right? Mm. How do we, uh, and how do we as bodies of culture, you know, actually like buy into that or lean into it? How do we, how are we not challenging things? Or what happens when we do? Word. Yeah. Mm. What advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you do? Oh, wow. You know, I know. I, I'll tell you, the first thing that pops up for me is to actually just do it. 
And I don't mean it in that way of like, you know, Nike or, you know, like just say no or whatever. I mean, I, but I do mean do it, which is, you know, the job of an artistic director, if I'm, if we're talking about that, um, is to articulate a vision, um, to articulate an artistic vision that is going to impact your community, right? Um, that is going to create a space for people to gather. I think that goes kind of missing sometimes, that people are gonna gather, even if it's online. People are gonna come together. You're bringing people together to do a thing, to hear a thing, to listen to a thing, to see a thing, to feel a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to socialize, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, you've got to, you, you, there's care you have to take in that. Um, right. And so I would, yeah, I would tell someone to, uh, you know, start doing it and make, make some mistakes. Whether or not you have an organization or not, I mean, you don't need an organization to like pull together a reading or to pull some people together and like make a piece of theater or to, or to, I mean, you've never waited for an organization to do like, to pull people together, do a gallery show or a poetry night or go a bit of death, right? Correct. You know what I'm saying, right? Like. You know, you're 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 the actual answer <laughs> to my. Sulinet, <laughs> right. the answer. I'm honored. Um, uh, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you do, Sulinet? <laughs> <laughs> Just Sulinet it. <laughs> so, but 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 you know what I mean, right? Like it's it's you know I think that that's the first bit, and then and then the second bit I would say is. You know, listen more, talk less, and mm. ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Ask a lot of questions. You know, try not to go away from any conversation without having asked questions that go further than, how you doing? You know what I mean? Be curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. I love that. Yeah. Uh, very last question, at least for now, because obviously there's going to be a part two, three, four, five, and six. Uh, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish I had? Oh, that's interesting. Thank you. I try. Uh, I'm also going to give a shout out to Eric Ray uh, in New Haven, who is the person I borrowed this question from. Ah, mm-hmm. Eric. I just saw him on the Zoom of, on the Zoomy Zoom Zoom. <laughs> on the Zoomy Zoom Zooms. <laughs> um, huh. I don't think, I mean, I have just been, I, I no. Uh, you, the questions were amazing. I'm flattered. Thank you. I do. Yeah, I do yeah. try. It, no, <laughs> I, I, it, it's 
I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, well, I no. I I'm very so. okay with that. Yeah. That awesome. <laughs> Dope. Um, last but not least, um, please let folks know how they may appropriately uh, stalk you. <laughs> well, uh, you can go to Heartbeat Ensemble's website, which is uh, H-A-R-T-B-E-A-T-E-N-S-E-M-B-L-E.org. Um, and um, and you can follow us on the on the on the Twitter. People are still doing that, and Instagram. Um, uh, I'm on Instagram, Godfrey Simmons, and uh, you know I, I'm also on Facebook. You can reach me there. Um, uh, you can email me, Godfrey.Simmons at um, HeartbeatEnsemble.org. Um, yeah, that's where awesome. you can, you know cyber stock and all that stuff <laughs> appropriately appropriately <laughs> godfrey thanks for joining me today thanks for having me Serena. I appreciate of it. course <laughs> all righty mi gente this has been another episode of The Creative Alchemist. I am your hostess with the mostest, Sulinet. You can check out the rest of my life at sulinet.com. That's Z-U-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E punto com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and support it with a monthly subscription by clicking on this episode's description or by visiting anchor.fm slash thecreativealchemist. Thank you to our current supporters. Until next time, stay hydrated, stay creative. Peace.